Hello, hello. Welcome to the Jimmy Meat World podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Kang. And on this episode of the podcast, we talk to Andrew Kim. Andrew's an accomplished puppeteer and artist, and he's also my uncle. I really enjoyed this conversation because I always knew that my uncle was an artist, but I never had a chance to sit down with him and hear about his journey to becoming one. We talk about how much hard work it took to get good at his craft of puppeteering and how hard he had to fight to make a living as an artist. This conversation was a special one for me. And without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Andrew Kim. Maybe you could um, just, I guess, introduce yourself and the kind of work that you do. Okay, sure. My name is Andrew Kim, and I'm a puppeteer. Um, I am based in Todmorden, West Yorkshire, which is uh, in England. And it's a small town, a market town in between sort of uh, about an hour away from Manchester, between Manchester and Leeds. So we're in the north of England, uh, sort of in the middle of the UK. Uh, I've been here for about 15 years now, uh, wow. working, working here. And I, I started a company with my wife, Kathy, and we make uh, puppet plays and we make street theater acts. We also... Um, make puppets that are um, commissioned. So somebody asks us to make a certain puppet for a specific performance or an event, and we make those puppets. Uh, we also do, I also do some teaching, and, you know, anything from uh, younger people to uh, college level to, you know, help uh, working with uh, theater companies and just, uh, who are interested in using puppetry. Um, it's sort of the base of our, my work. I, I started working in this field about um, way back since 1992, so about 28 years now, really. Uh, I started right out of uh, college. Uh, I finished college. I was uh, looking for some work in theater, and I, uh, through some connections, actually through uh, uh, my sister or your your aunt Helen, uh, her. Oh college roommate uh was uh who she kept close friends with um was working at a puppet theater and i moved to minneapolis and i was uh looking for some work and so um through an introduction there uh uh this woman beth peterson gave me some work as a puppeteer and i'd never done any puppetry before um and it was just a bit of a job i auditioned i got the role and i um um, did the part and and sure enough they they liked it and so uh, they asked me to do another show and another show and uh, it wasn't my intention I never set off uh, with the intention of being a puppeteer I was just um, doing a few different things at the time uh, uh, honestly I thought I was going to be a writer at first and this is what I was most interested in I studied uh, creative writing in in, in school and I was uh, very interested in writing nonfiction and fiction, and I was doing some of that as well. Uh, but I was also interested in theater. I had done theater all through high school and college, and I really enjoyed it. But I never really thought of it as a vocation. It was just something that after college, uh, because there was a a new theater company that was starting called Theater Moo, uh, which is an Asian American theater company. And during college, I took a real strong interest in Asian American studies and Asian American literature. And so I was very familiar with uh, the different plays and playwrights and some of the dramas that were 
happening at that time. And so um, when I met some of the people that were uh, starting this Asian American theater company, I was very keen to be a part of that. And so they were just starting up at the same time I was graduating from college. And so they invited me to be a part of the core team, which was a big honor. Um, and I worked with them at the same time. So I was working with, I was doing a few different things right out of college. I was um, uh, working, uh, helping this Asian American theater company. I was also helping, uh, uh, working at this puppet theater. And I was also trying my hand at being a writer. Um, and I did that for a few years. I did all three of those for a while. Uh, but over time, I realized I was um, doing, a, I, I kept getting asked back to work with this puppet company, which was called In the Heart of the Beast, Puppet and Mask Theater in Minneapolis. And I found that I really enjoyed it. It really was a, a wonderful mix of different mediums that I was already interested in because puppetry is a mix between uh, performance, between um, uh, writing, you know, because it's playwriting that is, um, visual arts, movement, dance, uh, music. It's sort of loads of different disciplines come into making a good puppet play. And I found that I was really enjoying learning all the different elements of it. And this company was really open at uh, bringing people in and giving me opportunities. And I wasn't a maker at the time, but um, I very quickly, just by helping out and learning a bit and working with some of the really great artists there, I started really enjoying sculpting and painting and all that kind of thing and found that I really had um, a knack for it as, as, as well. So I ended up doing the, you know, multiple jobs for a few years, but all sort of in the creative industry. And then um, a few years later, I was asked to join the staff. And so I became a full-time puppeteer, uh -huh. which is not a, not a, not a normal job for anything. Uh -huh. And not, the, not, not very many of those, uh, 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 available, but there I was, um, you know, in my mid twenties as a full-time puppeteer. And then I did that for a while. And then I realized, Oh, this is what I want to do. And that, as sort of the other kind of things, the, um, uh, Asian American theater and the writing, I, I still kept up with that for quite a while, but I realized as far as a vocation, I really, really enjoyed visual theater. I really enjoyed what, uh, puppet and mask theater. So Andy's mic cut out here and it's a little bit of a jarring shift, but basically he, he reconnects and then we pick up the conversation in a couple of seconds. You were talking about how you had made your journey. I didn't know that was interesting that Helenimo played a part in, yeah. in, in one of your first uh, roles in, in, in puppeteering. And, and so then you were talking about how you were writing, you were working at the Asian American, uh, was it like a theater? Asian American theater? theater? Yeah, theater Mu, M-U. Theater, theater view um and then you were also doing puppeteering so you're doing those three things at once and then you discuss you were able to get a full-time role doing puppeteering yeah, yeah. and then you mentioned that um the like it kind of was clear to you that that was like that was a rare opportunity and that was kind of the one the one to focus on more or less yeah um let's see so i think it was an interesting time because when in my mid-twenties there, I, I didn't really, I knew that I wanted to um, have a, have a creative role, have a creative voice uh, and follow a, a, a sort of a creative path, but I didn't really know which one. And 
my mind had told me that I was going to be a writer and I spent a lot of time trying to be a writer. Mm. At the same time, I had these opportunities in theater and I was finding that I was spending more and more time doing theater, specifically puppet theater. And it was a, it was a tough thing because I had to let go of my, in my mind, what I had sort of painted myself to be, which was a writer. Um, and I had to let go of that vision because I realized at a certain point, the, the writing was really hard for me to do. Writing is really mm. hard. You have to, mm. um, it's not, I mean, I might've had a little bit of aptitude for writing, but actually to be a good writer is to be willing to sit there hour after hour, day after day, and just work, work at the craft, work at the craft in isolation. And your audience is, it's not a direct connection with the audience. It's a very abstract thing. You send it off, you hope yeah. to get it printed, you get it printed, um, you know. And yeah, I, mean, I got a few things in print, but it was not um, immediate. And it was very, mm. it's a very isolating way of being creative. And I think it's mm. fun for some people. Um, some people really enjoy mm. that sort of creating in isolation. But for me, um, I found that I was much more of a social person. I, I like to create with other people. I like to be in the room with lots of other people, bounce off ideas, get inspired by somebody else's ideas and work as a team to make something. And I like the immediacy of having an audience. I like mm -hmm. that sort of live dynamic. Um, and I also, it sounds a bit perverse, but I like the pressure of the theater, um, mm. the time pressure because with writing, when you're writing your own essays, when you're writing your own short stories, there's not really a deadline. I suppose once you get further down the line, you have an editor and you have deadlines. But when you're just starting out, you're just writing and you don't know when you're done. You just keep writing and writing, writing. And then you never feel quite done, but at a certain point you have to send stuff out. It's really hard and it's, it's, it takes a certain kind of discipline that I'm not sure if that was really happy to do. I, I don't know if I wanted to sit by myself in a room for hours and hours and sure. wrestle with my demons. I'm not sure if I'm that type of creative. Yeah. Whereas um, when you, when you are working on a work of theater, you have opening night and that's an absolute, you have no choice. It does. There's no such thing as not ready. You just work 24 hours a day if you need to, and you just get there. And then sometimes you have to make choices. Well, I didn't, didn't get as far as this, but it's pretty good and we're just going to have to go with it. And that sort of, um, that sort of hones your decision-making and sometimes the best decisions. Well, no, I take that back. If you're somebody who enjoys theater, sometimes you need that kind of pressure of that deadline and you are, when you're sort of really up against it and you know something's not right and you have to make a decision and you have to trust your intuition. And it's absolutely horrifying when you don't have the experience and you don't have the confidence, but you have to do it because there's an audience coming in. Yeah. You know, paint might be drying, but there it is. They're there and you have to show it. Um, and it's, there's um, a real rush to that. But I think there's also a real uh, a honing to your creative uh, create creativity, and I I am one of those perverse people that just enjoyed that. I like that pressure of saying this is when we're going to open, 
and it's going to be ready and we're going to make it as good as possible. And I'm not pretending that everything I put out into the universe is good, but anyway, over time you get better and better and better. And suddenly you start to um, trust your intuition. You trust, you start to trust your choices. And then over time, you know that this and this and this kind of work, every show is particular and every show's got its own sort of, individual quirks and you're always reinventing yourself but there are things that you can feel confident that well if i do this and this and this it will probably not suck uh, <laughs> you know? yeah. and then you sort of build on that you build from there and that's you know that's it's it's how over time you make art and so you know now i've been doing this nearly 30 years and so i'm always nervous before the first time an audience before our first performance always never show if it's going to exactly work and to be quite honest the first time out it's never perfect you yeah. you see it you see it with an audience you realize oh that bit works really well that bit not so funny mm -hmm. as i thought and then you tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and then finally you know hopefully not too much but you know you when you have an audience you start to shape it and then and then you have something that you're really reasonably happy with but even then it's live performance so over time you'll start to learn how to play the piece you'll start to learn how to play the audience and it becomes a real sort of satisfying thing i mean there's nothing uh, as a professional performer yeah it's good to make a show new show and perform it but actually having to if you have to perform that show a hundred times then it's really exciting because mm. you're really learning how to hone your craft and to make it as uh, as powerful and as meaningful or funny or as dynamic as you possibly can and that's that's really fun and it's a really good discipline to have mm. that that's really interesting i've i've thought about that as well i think art forms that where you put something in because i think what's satisfying about art is that you can provoke some kind of reaction out of someone like you can create something and then you get shock you get horror you get delight you get tears something and i think like i don't know for for sure for me when i was creating music like if i had just created it and published it from and like didn't publish it or didn't share it with anyone it wouldn't there wouldn't have been that anxious pressure like i wanted to create like when i started making music i was like i'm gonna create a song every two weeks and put it out there um, and then I would share it and I would share it with my coworkers mainly. And then I'd get a reaction like, Oh, this is horrible. Oh, oh, this is great. But like, that was like the feedback was what I was kind of feeding off of. And that moment of almost, uh, accountability, whereas like, I promised all these friends I was going to, I was going to do not as high stakes as what you're saying, where there's like, you know, hundred people, more than hundred people coming in and watching your play. But it's, um, I think that does, it's a forcing function, right? It's like, we don't have time to fight about inconsequential details. We have to make calls. We have to make them now, good or bad. If we have to make them, someone has to make them. And then you can get better over time. And you probably learn over time, okay, when the crunch comes and there's always, you can plan as much as you want, but there's always certain things. There's always certain paint that's drying when you're approaching that day, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe it's like, you can handle that stress better, but I can see why that, and especially if you care about it, like you're going to put in that a little bit of extra time to make sure it's, it feels good. And I think it's cool with plays that you get to do the play. You were saying sometimes like, uh, you know, multiple, multiple times you were saying like, that, that's really cool that you get to, um, I mean, it must be scary. You have to do a new show every time, but you get to kind of see the evolution of it where on the yeah. first day it's very rough. And on the hundredth day, I, I mean, that must be kind of like, wow, we, 
like it's probably so much better on the hundredth play than it was on the on the 20th play yeah. it must be heartbreaking to be like man this is like we we put so much blood sweat and tears into this thing and now it's over and moving on to the next thing that arc yeah, is is it, must be it is yeah. it is really hard and it's hard to say goodbye to a show uh, it really is because you be, you you really in order to make it real in order to resonate you really love these characters you mm you believe these characters and you have so much investment and in making them as believable as possible. Yeah. And so it yeah. is really hard to say goodbye to a show. Um, the other element that we do is, uh, Kathy and I, our thingamajig largely perform now in outdoor settings. And that's very different mm. from, um, from playing in, in a theater where the environment is very contained and controlled. And so, we have a few other things into the mix. Like we don't know that the, the shape of the space is always different. Mm. Uh, it might be rainy. It might be windy. Um, oh, wow. It oh, might wow. be too much light, too little light. And there's all these <laughs> other elements. And so it's a real challenge. And not every show is going to be at it in its optimal setting, but you have to, uh, you have to give it absolutely everything each and every time. And that's really difficult uh and but also exciting at the same time to just to um because uh, uh for us the stage is might be a, a field or it might be a park it might be a, a a parking lot it might be you know uh a, a village center or what whatnot and and um there's 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 a lot of it's very we put ourselves in some very difficult situation but the rewards are very satisfying because we are bringing theater to areas where the um, it, it, it's not a theater going audience all the time. It's sometimes it's just people on the street and it, and we're bringing something magical and something poetic and something, uh, you know, moving or funny or, 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 or whatnot. And I think there's a real reward of, um, you know, bringing it to uh, audiences who would not, not, not necessarily have chosen to um, you know, uh, be uh, be an audience for art. Mm -hmm. A question I had for you is: you talked about you know when you were in college and um, you you got into puppeteering initially. I'm curious about when you first decided when when you first became interested in art and when you decided that you could. Uh, I I don't know when you first started. I guess dabbling with it and began thinking because I've always like you're known in the family as you're the artist. Like you're the artist. The family. grandma's also an artist, but you're really known as the 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 artist. And that's the thing that you do. You've you've done it for your living. But I'm curious, like maybe even before you're in college, because there must have been a transformation for you. Um, well, that, an that's a good question. I. I I, I I don't know if there's a you know light bulb moment necessarily, mm -hmm. but I always I've I've always enjoyed um, art, uh, whether it's music or, or you know drawing or ceramics or or dance. I mm -hmm. you know doing in high school I was doing you know one of the very strange boys that was in the musicals doing mm -hmm. dancing and all that kind of thing. Just really enjoyed it. I don't know why. Um, and there's a part of me that, um, and this is something that I think as a um, first generation Korean American in a very conservative, uh, you know, conservative in many ways, conservative in religious ways, as you well know, but also um, conservative in that, now Koreans are funny, and I don't think Koreans are unique to this, but 
because of the function of the Korean War and the intense poverty and the political turmoil that happened to my parents, your, your grandparents' generation, um, I think the culture became extremely conservative. So there was a real sort of survival instinct that because they lost everything during that time, yeah. um, you know, uh, during the Korean, uh, you know, first during Japanese occupation, then World, right. World War II, then, then, the, then the Korean War. And so um, my parents, your grandparents, knew absolute poverty. And there's a lot of horrible, horrible war stories, which I won't get into. And so when they came to the place where they became adults, uh, parents, they really prioritized that sort of survival. So things like um, getting a good education, getting a job, getting a house, getting, you know, your basic needs was so critical and they never took that for granted. And so they put those values onto their children, you know, mm. into our generation. And I think that's really hard because we, of course, were raised in the suburbs. We, fortunately, didn't know this sort of intense poverty, right. this intense hunger. And so when they were saying, oh, it's absolutely important that you have to get your education and you have to get a degree and all this kind of thing. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't quite understand it. I'm the youngest of, of, of four children, as you know. And so it's kind of like, well, actually, you know, but what if I want to do something else? And then there was also the other side of American society, uh, U.S. American society telling me, oh, you know, you're, you're Asian, therefore you must be really good at uh, math and science, but yeah. you're not this and this and this and this. You're not so good at sports or you're not so good at art or whatever, because there isn't that sort of role model in our society. Hmm. And this is just me personally, but um, no one's going to tell me what to do and nobody's going to tell me what not to do. Yeah. I mean, it just so happened that even if I were good in math and science, I didn't really want to be good in math and science. <laughs> I wanted to be good at literature. I wanted to be good at whatever. And so I, this is what I did. I mean, I learned how to play drums. I started dancing. I started being in plays, you know, maybe part of that was rebellion, but maybe part of that was being like, well, no, I'm not going to be told what to do. I'm going to trust, try everything and see what fits. And I think that's my personality. I don't think it was like, you know, I woke up at age 11 and suddenly wanted to be an artist. I was more like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And mm. you're not going to tell me what I can't do, including, you know, my father, you know, was mm. saying, oh, you have to be a doctor. You have to be a lawyer. You have to be a businessman. I said, well, you know, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give this a go as well. And so there was that sort of tension and I didn't know where that was going to land, but and it's kind of funny, like I look back at my childhood and I thought, this is, this is me sort of making, making deals as a young person. But I thought at one point I was really keen to be an architect because mm -hmm. in my mind, in my young mind, I thought an architect is, now that's a legitimate job. Uh, you know, you get a degree and you get prestige, but you also get to be creative, you know. So I spent a lot of time you know, drawing buildings and, you know, fantasizing about things like this. And I'm still very interested in that, but it was kind of interesting, like, because I, even at that young age, I didn't let myself think that, oh, I could be an artist and I could do that for a living because there was no, there was no role model. There was, that was not an option for uh, people of my generation of my, you know, in my, um, in my uh, culture, you know? And so it really wasn't until I got to college and I saw, lots of other people um, and, you know, lots of other opportunities and lots of other, you know, ways of doing it. And I realized, no, I, I don't have to go to grad school. I don't have to be a 
lawyer. I don't have to do all these things. I, I might do. And, and, you know, actually for a long time in my 20s, I thought, well, I'll just give this a go for a little bit, but I could always go back to grad school if that doesn't work out. And, you know, this, this, this is sort of the deals that I was making with myself because I had that voice of my parents and, and the, sort of the conservative Korean, uh, Korean-American culture in me. But, you know, it didn't stick because I was really enjoying it. And pretty soon, I mean, there's also other elements which, which um, to be quite honest, what people don't realize is that in order to be a successful artist, you have to be, you have to have so much hustle. You have to have, be a good business person. You have to be, you know, very fiscally conservative. You have to be very professional about meeting, you know, going to meetings on, or meet, you know, rehearsals or auditions on time and right. being prepared to work and all these things, all this notion of what, you know, flaky, lofty artists you know that's just hollywood bs i mean it's yeah. actually the people who make their living in the arts are the hardest working people the most dedicated people you've ever met because it's so hard to make a living doing creative work and so actually the other bit you know the very conservative work ethic uh, of an immigrant that actually suited me really well because if I didn't have that work ethic, if I didn't know how to save money, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't know how to show up on time and work really hard, sometimes, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, I would not be where I am because I wouldn't have been asked again and again and again um, to, to keep doing the job. I mean, I think what I often think is that I had some skills but I had a lot to learn. I'm not a, I don't think I'm a inherently a brilliant genius artist. I think I'm a pretty good artist who worked really, really hard. You know, it's that whole thing. I was, I was faking it like anything all through my twenties until finally I thought, Oh, actually I do know how to do that. You know, it's kind of like you, yeah. you just put yourself out there. You put, you decide to do something and you work as hard as you can to be as good as you can, no matter what it is. And then pretty soon after 10 years of that, you realize, Oh, actually I do know how to do that. Oh, actually, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty good at that now. And now, Oh, actually what I'm doing is slightly different than what my mentors were doing. And this is leading me to a whole nother area. And then suddenly you realize, well, maybe I am an artist, you know, and it, it is, it is a funny thing because I think it's really, you have to have the confidence, but you, you also have to have the humility that you have so much to learn and it takes so long to work at something to be good at it. Nobody's born with it. Nobody suddenly just invents it. I mean, there might be one or two people, you know, 0.2% of the people that are just, you know, born brilliant and, and understand it. But I think though, those are so rare. The rest of us just need to um, take our 10% inspiration and just work like crazy. Mm. No, it's really, it's really interesting to hear your, your story. It's, um, and just, I don't know, having that mindset shift of, cause I think, I don't know, my, we like we both grew up in comfortable, you know, like you were saying, s suburban neighborhoods, and I don't know. My parents were, um, they definitely had that kind of mindset of okay, do something that's kind of conservative, go get a kind of like don't don't mess around. But they, my parents were not nearly as prescriptive as uh, grandma and grandpa were, you know, around 
like you ought to do really good in school. D- don't mess around, go get a normal job. Like I didn't have that level of like where if I was like, Hey, I want to go be an athlete. I want to go be an artist. There was no pushback for me really, you know, but for you, there was real pushback. There was real butting head. So I think it's, I don't know. I admire you for, for that, that you were able to push back against that. And, um, you know, you push through it and you're like, no, I want to become an artist and you were able to put your head and it's, I think it's scary. You know, I think, I think now when I'm, you know, I, I got a pr- pretty normal job working in tech and good, good paycheck. It's stable. And just recently, just last year, I realized like, I don't know, I, I like my job. I enjoy it, but I don't get that. Um, I, I'm, it's not innately satisfying. If no one paid me to do it, I wouldn't do it. Um, right. Like it doesn't give me joy. It doesn't make me, it doesn't inspire me necessarily in, in a way that when I started making music that opened up like a new part of my brain where I was like, this is so, I was kind of writing this off my whole life as being like a not valuable frou-frou kind of thing, but this kind of gives meaning to my life. It makes it interesting. It gives me something very exciting. Like I, I'm excited to do it. I get into a flow state. I, and it's like, I don't know, I'm always kind of beating myself up for, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But then when I started making music, albeit like the music I make is, is, is objectively really bad, but I, <laughs> I just enjoy it so much. Um, and I'm enjoying the process so much. So yeah, I, I get why you fought like hell to be an, to be an artist. Cause it's, and I think it's cool that I, I think it's so brave the way that you did it. Cause the way that you did it wasn't like, even though you had that escape, you had that uh, escape hatch in the back of your head, you still went full bore. Like you didn't, you were an artist, like from the time you were 25, you, you were a full on artist. And that's yeah. I, any, everyone who I've talked to so far. And most of the people I've met, very, like no one has been like that. People are kind of doing art on the side, but you were like a true artist and like went yeah. against the grain. So I think that's, I think it's cool. I admire you for that. I think it's, it's, it's been, I, f- I feel very fortunate, I've, especially with this company that I landed with uh, in Minneapolis, because it's not, it's not the norm. Mm. Uh, I, I feel very fortunate because, you know, with, with, with the exception of, I think two weeks where I, where I thought I had to get a straight job and I had this <laughs> horrible job, um, which <laughs> I, I was only two weeks because I had to give one week notice. Um, oh, yeah. a barista type of job or? Something? No, no, it was, a, it was actually furniture refinishing. Oh, um, no. Stripped oh, no. strip paint off and it was this horrible job oh, where no. I was, you know, the, you know, I was sort of uh, the uh, bottom of the rung and the yeah. bottom of the rung was that you, you got put in this big stainless steel tank and you oh. have to spray acid into these furnitures and, and get all the paint up. It was horrible, oh. horrible, horrible work. Anyway, but aside from that, I, I pretty much have been making a living uh, as in the arts since I was um, 22. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, which is, which, which I think is really, really rare. I mean, not all of it was glorious, by the way. I mean, sometimes I had to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, working in schools and teaching and doing some, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, not not the highest art form, let's just say, of you know, um, of working. But anyway, everything you do is 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 stuff that you learn. And I mean, in in relation to what you were just saying, Jimmy, I think it's what is, in a sense, the end result, the the actual songs that you make now is less important than the than the um, the mental exercise of being creative. I think that's, that's what is important at first is just to put yourself through that situation where you have to uh, be open to 
to all the different elements and be able to make critical choices that are, um, you know, in touch with your uh, muse and touch with mm-hmm. your voice and touch with your, you know, that, that ineffable thing that makes something beautiful or passionate, you know, and that is something that most people uh, suppress after they, you know, leave school or what, whatever. And it's really sad because I think, um, as I'm sure you're, you're finding in, in your podcast, I mean, creativity is not necessarily just for artists. Create, we all need to be creative. And it's a great disservice to the society when we are told that, oh, that's an artist. They'll be creative. And yeah. everybody else has to just be boring and, <laughs> and just go from paycheck, paycheck to paycheck and be, you know, do stupid things because they're mortified of losing their job or losing their benefits or what, you know, it's, it's a right. horrible horrible waste of humanity it is now that we are living in this place where creativity is not encouraged and i think the tech industry is is better than most i think because it really does value i mean albeit a different kind of creativity but you know there's there's clear evidence that the creative businesses are the ones that succeed they last they find ways to adapt and see the next thing that's coming and i think that's really exciting it's a really good model that all industries should think about it's like what it's not just a matter of people doing you know wrote things that they've they're told that they have to do because they've always done it it's more like this is the this is where we at this is the problem how do we solve how do we get there how do we get to this other place we want to be um here's the way we've always done it what are some other ways and i feel like if somehow we were all encouraged to be creative you know the society would be so much more efficient and exciting Uh, but you know here we are yeah i think the the biggest thing in the switch is that like i now think I'm now okay. I think it's so horrifying to hear my own voice in, in the DAW and open it up and start with something and have it be really bad. But I think the, the ability to now, and at first it was so hard to do that. It was so hard to get started. But now, and, and I had that mindset of, oh, I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist. I don't have classical musical training. I don't have none of my families in the music or, you know, this and that. And then, but then, I don't know. I think now I'm able to kind of think of myself as, in like as an artist and I'm not ashamed of saying that you know where it's like not like it shouldn't just be oh there's like you're saying these certain people are artists and they get to be creative and they get to do their thing in this perfect environment but I really think everyone has the capacity to to create art everyone is an artist and they just lose that for some reason they lose that drive or they lose that that pushing against the grain to do that because like to create art is ultimately like it's there's so much resistance to creating art right? There's so much, and then most of it is like internal and, and, and societal, uh, but there's like, but it's, yeah. It's disconnected. I mean, right. you know, being a musician is going to make you a better, you know, project manager. Being sure. a good project manager is going to make you a better musician. It's, it's sure. not disconnected. Yeah. It's maybe different parts of the brain, but if we could start using those brains all the time, you know, those parts of the brain all the time, you'll just be a much more satisfied and more uh, you know, effective person. Definitely. Definitely. It's, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's, it's, I, I hope more people can just experiment with art and try it, whatever. I think music is a nice one because music 
you can create something just using a DAW in your computer and a MIDI keyboard or even just your computer keyboard and then you can create it and distribute it everywhere. And it's like, that's really, that's, I think that's a beautiful part of, of, of music as a, as a medium. But I definitely agree. It's, it's, I like, I want to encourage my, I mean, I want to stick with music and have that probably be the thing that I do for a really long time. I love it so much, but I think the exercise of me learning other creative things and kind of be willing to make an ass out of myself and different things, but just cause I'm curious about it and not be ashamed that I'm curious about it. Like, um, like writing a script someday, I want to write a, a television show script or a movie script and oh. just try, try my hand at it, you know, and, and try and do a couple of them and get better at it and stick with it and be consistent over time. And, um, I hope I do that. Cause I think that exercise of for my whole entire life, like I want to be constantly kind of in a space where I'm uncomfortable with something, but I'm never shying away from something I'm naturally curious yeah. about and wondering what if, you know, I yeah. think, yeah. I just started playing trombone a couple of years ago. That's awesome. Are you, are you <laughs> keeping everyone in the neighborhood uh, awake? I don't know. I haven't had any complaints yet, but uh, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm not good, but it's just, it's just something <laughs> fun because you know, it's not, it's not my profession. Uh, I don't need ever need it to be my profession, but it's yeah. just feels like it's another thing to just, um, you know, I've always played drums. I've always enjoyed music, but I've never really been, I've never had a melodic instrument. And Kathy is, um, is, uh, is a good musician. And so, so I've always wanted to have an instrument where I could play along with it. So we've, we started to just mess around and we've got, we've got a nice set of, you know, six or seven songs that we can do now. Um, mm. So, which is, which is quite fun. And something that we'll just sort of have, have, you know, almost as a party favor, you know, just mm -hmm. you know, something that we could pull out. Uh, we've, we've actually done a little bit of street busking as well, just for fun. Um, not That's for awesome. That is so fun. Just to get out there. Uh, and it's, it's a good discipline. Um, it's a good thing to just try, but I feel like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's like what you're saying. It's like, I'm, you know, I know what I do and I know how to work at my craft, but I feel like, you know, I'm 50 years old and I'm not done learning. I'm going to, you know, I started, you know, trombone and I'm going to try that for a little bit. Uh, I might try something else in a little bit, you know, and just, just sort of, you just have to keep, you just, you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's like a shark. You have to just keep moving. Otherwise you're just sinking, you know? <laughs> totally. What's a, what's an art form you mentioned writing. What's an art form that you maybe haven't been involved in or was involved in briefly that you want to, you want to get back into, you're kind of excited about do, working in that space in the future. Huh? That's a good question. Um, well, I think, I think definitely music. I'd like to do some more mm. music. Um, there are uh, some of the things that I do as part of my practice, such as um, sculpting and painting and drawing. I mean, drawing is, is one. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I never really learned how to draw formally and I don't do it necessarily for my work, but I do do a lot of painting. And so it would be nice to learn how to, uh, you know, work with in a more traditional two-dimensional format and, you know, maybe take some drawing classes, maybe mm -hmm. do some paintings that, you know, sit on the wall, not necessarily move around in three-dimensional space like I, I make. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so some of the skills that I already have would be transferable, but then there would be a whole nother sort of disciplines that I would have to learn in order to do that. And so that, that could be quite satisfying. Um, I'm actually, uh, another thing that I'm learning is welding. Um, uh, oh, wow. so yeah, metalwork. And so that's, I've taken, um, was it last year? Yeah. Last year I took a, um, uh, 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 
just sort of a basic welding class to learn mm. how, to, how to do that. So I know the basics. I don't have my own kit yet, but I feel like well, that's something that, you know, it might, it might uh, allow me to do well. For instance, sometimes that I do need to use some metal work for some of the pieces that I make, some of the larger outdoor pieces. I usually bring in friends who do that kind of work, but you know, I want to learn how to do it as well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, it gives you a lot more uh, more tools in your toolkit, really. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you and I had the conversation about sounds. Now, we used to, uh, we used to um, you know, use recorded music or live music, but we never created our own mixes. Mm. But um, over time, Kathy and I sort of taught ourselves how to do, do that kind of thing. And it's really satisfying, and it's also very creative. But also, it gives you, so now we create our, we record, our own music for our shows and then we mix it as well so it might be looping sounds or bringing in some uh, sampled sounds and things like this um we're not necessarily pretending to be a professional sound designer but actually if we make a piece of theater we know exactly how we want it to sound and so if we know how to use some of those skills and of course technology makes it quite easy now i mean you just need a laptop and a microphone and and you could do a lot as you know so it's kind of like or, or video editing, you know, I'm not necessarily going to be a filmmaker, but sometimes you just want to make a, a promotional video or something and you have a thing in mind and it's really satisfying to be able to have the skills to just do that yourself as opposed to, you know, um, bring in a professional each time. Of course, you know, you do need professionals for certain things all the time. So. Mm. That is what's really cool about what you do with um, creating plays and puppeteering is that you like what you're saying it requires it requires you to be a versatile artist you have to sometimes do video editing you have to do sound design you have to make music you have to like i know you've done paper mache you've created costumes um so you do costume design and so that's that i I feel like those so like so many people in hollywood focus on one bit of that and that's their entire career you know but you're forced to do all five of those uh, yeah yeah that's really cool it's really satisfying like you know i mean just uh, to be able to work with three-dimensional, you know, material, you know, materials, whether it's working with clay and working with paint and uh, working with fabric and all that, all this kind of thing. And just to have those kind of skills, it's been interesting during lockdown because, you know, we didn't have work for a long time. I mean, actually work is coming back now, but, you know, and so we were sort of, you know, we started doing other things. Like I started mm. making furniture for our garden and made fences. And so it's like those skills that I have to make a set was the yeah. same skills that I needed to make a table for, you know. Oh, that's awesome. That kind of thing. Or Kathy was making a basket or, you know, things like this. And so we were finding ways to keep uh, keep those things going, even though it wasn't, um, you know, for the normal sort of what we consider work. Mm. Mm. It's it just it just feels much more holistic to be able to I mean for me to to be able to work with my hands when I need to um, and to work with my body when I need to and things like this. Mm. Yeah, how did course, you how did you learn welding? Uh, was there is there like a trade school near you or how did you go about? Taking yeah, yeah. Classes? I mean, it, it was a very it's a very boring straightforward course i mean i i found just went online and found that in manchester there was a course that was training people and i mean i was on a course with other people that were learning how to weld for their 
you know, to work in a factory, basically. I mm. mean, it wasn't creative at all. It was more like, this is learning how you the do- technical skill. Yeah. 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 It was learning how to use certain equipment and the safety and all of this kind of thing. Um, and so these, I was just the first, there's sort of several tiers of it. So this, this, with this certificate, I would have been able to apply for a job where required, where I wouldn't have been a welder 24, you know, I mean, full time, but right. I was able to say that I know how to weld. Wow. And then if I wanted to carry on, I would take another course. So it was, it was just, yeah, it was just pure functional, like the mechanics of how to use this tool safely. And, you know, it's just something I paid to do. I, I, I you know, uh, I wanted to learn how to do it. Um, I had a I've, I've had, you know, little goes with, uh, you know, when I was in workshops, but I wanted to learn how to do it properly and safely. And, and that's what I did. And I'm, I'm not there yet. I mean, I have a lot of welding. I understand the, the the mechanics of how to weld but it doesn't make you a good welder <laughs> like my my welds look like you know it yeah. looks crap and you yeah. have to just really work at it you know it's amazing it's just it's like counterintuitive because you're working with these super hot you know molten steel but in order to make a good weld you have to be very slow and really smooth. Consistent. So it's not like you're banging the thing. It's you got to no, be no, no, no. measure. It's like it's like a you know like a hot glue gun or something like this. Right? Oh, so it's melt. It's okay. Molten steel. <laughs> That's so, horrifying. And it is horrifying. You have all the protection and all that, but it's still like could go wrong. Yeah. And so you have to like. It's probably a good lesson in life. It's like you have to learn how to be smooth and calm and and you know methodical when you're in the pit of hell (laughs) (laughs) it's a good lesson in life yeah no i think i i when i was getting into music i didn't know how to get in and so my the one thing that i did was i started taking i took a couple community college classes at a a community college near me um i started i took a piano class i took a studio recording class and just got to be exposed to it and that was i i realized i was like wow my these community college classes that cost 200 bucks a course, which is maybe probably 10 times cheaper at least than what my four-year college was. And I learned yeah. way more, enjoyed way more, <laughs> found the college professors were way more, like in, in college, in my four-year college, um, I had such an adversarial relationship with my professors. It was like they were teaching me something I didn't want to know. Um, like they had this carrot over my head but they could you know they could tank my grades and make me repeat whatever whatever right but in the cuny college it was like everyone wanted to be there it was a mix of people who are older all the way from 50 60 uh there was i think there was a seven-year-old in the class and then all the way down to uh 18 19 year olds and everyone wanted to be there and so it was just a different and it was a different environment and i i don't know i hope People, I, I think it's such an untapped resource, community college or trade schools. You can get so, like, you don't have to go to a four-year college, obviously, to, to learn these things. And you can get so much value out of, out of that. And learning is, I, I feel like people have such an adversarial relationship with learning, but it doesn't have to be like that. And there are environments in which you can learn where it's so, like, the two hours fly by and you're like, wow, I, I want to be in the studio forever. It's so awesome. This is cool. Yeah. It was the first time I've ever enjoyed learning. I think no, that's yeah. that's really interesting that's good um it's really good to know i mean and i think that you were you, you hit the nail on the head i mean it's 
you need to find a place where people are there because they want to learn. I mean, it makes such a difference. You know, I don't know why we, I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems with the education system uh, because people are doing it because they feel like they have to for some reason. And that's, that's really, I mean, I'm, as, as you know, I've had this conversation with you several times. It's like, <laughs> if you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. It's, right. there's no point. Um, for me, it's, it's expensive and, you know, I don't, for me, and this is very anti, you know, the rest of our family or the rest of Korean Anti-establishment. <laughs> which is that uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I sh should have gone to college. I don't know what the point of that was. I mean, I think yeah. it was, I mean, the only thing that was good about college for me is that I certainly wasn't ready to face the real world when I was 18, you know, and it gave, yeah. gave you a four-year buffer to just sort of experiment and try things out and learn how to be an adult. And that was really useful. But the actual paying to learn things in classrooms, that was not, that was a big yeah. waste of money for me, as it, as it turns out, you know, yeah. from what I did. I mean, if I decided to become a whatever, uh, a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. I mean, of course you need those degrees, but actually I didn't need most of the people I work with or a lot of the people I work with um, don't have uh, a college degree. And that's, it's not necessary because we learn by doing it. This is, the, this is what we, you know, this is what we do. And there's lots of people who do theater who spent, you know, go through undergraduates and then go mm -hmm. through, you know, master's programs or go yeah. to special specialty courses and and they're not necessarily the best artists because they mm -hmm. get they get sort of molded into a certain frame of thought and they they really believe in certain kinds of performance styles or pertinent you know things like this and it's just like over time sometimes you lose a little bit of that uh creativity i think because you're being forced to learn a very specific thing like this is the only way to do something and, and that's that's sometimes uh, a real detriment to the form definitely definitely i it's i don't know i think i agree too i, I don't i think for me college was a bad transaction um <laughs> it was very bad it was a mindless transaction um but i, I mean i do that the buffer is nice and i think yeah you definitely learn from just doing it it's funny. My college's uh, mantra is "learn by doing," but uh, we didn't do anything, uh, so <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of hypocritical. Um, but I I 100% agree. You learn by doing the thing, and I think a lot of people probably stay too long in school, and then when they get out, it's a it's a culture shock. Like, can you imagine if you just went from uh, high school to undergrad to masters to PhD, and then you got to face the real world and do real work? It's like, oh. Yeah. You know, it's and like, then, and then yeah. of course you have, you know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand in debt. So you don't At even, to, you don't even get to try, you know, I mean, you just have to have a job till yeah. they retire. Yeah. You know, it, it's a horrible system because, horrible. you know, for me, uh, from my experience, I had the, I had a great opportunity in my twenties, um, to, I lived in a city that wasn't very expensive, Minneapolis. I, I um, had a great opportunity to stay in a house which was very inexpensive because the woman who owned the house, Mindy, was very generous and just sort of let, she didn't really, you know, sometimes I would be away for work for a few months and she didn't actually bother collecting rent for those months. Oh, that's I mean, she, so nice. She just, 
she didn't need the money. She just wanted the company. And so it's kind of like, so so like I had very little overhead when I was in my twenties. And, um, uh, and so it, it allowed me to take a lot of risks Mm. that I was able to work on jobs that didn't pay well, or, um, I didn't have to work, you know, like if you live in a more expensive city, you don't have that option. You'll have to work your two jobs and then right. hopefully have the energy to be creative afterwards. I don't know how they do it. Um, whereas, you know, in Minneapolis and maybe in other places where there's still a vibrant cultural sector, but the cost of living isn't quite so high. I mean, I think so that, I mean, I, 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 I had those 10 years to really sort of, uh, learn my craft and to develop my offering. Um, so that I can't, I was qualified to get paid to do what I was doing, but I, you know, you're not going to be, you, you're not, you don't, you know, graduate from college and suddenly someone's going to give you a, a well-paying job as an actor. Or a <laughs> right. You have right. to put in your time to learn your craft. And how do you put in your time to learn your craft when you have to make money because you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt or $200,000 in debt? It's a ridiculous impossible situation and so uh, i i you know i'm all uh, you know i'm not against college but if you but i just feel like the system is so rigged against you it's so rigged and it's interesting now with with covid because all these all these uh all these kids are are kind of going to their first year of school and then it's all on zoom and the, the gig's kind of up they're like what why am i paying for these youtube yeah, videos exactly. you know it's, it's yeah. so it, it is interesting. And I think I th- it's definitely a bubble and I'm, I'm hoping it's up for a rude, a rude awakening. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah. I mean, honestly, you could probably learn those same classes somewhere else on YouTube. <laughs> no, no doubt. I have learned probably a thousand X more on YouTube than I have from any college professor, any, yeah. anything, my entire, for sure. That's that the no, no question there. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bit of a ridiculous proposition. And I think, I don't know. I, I, I have, I, I, I think it would be hard. It would be really hard to be um, uh, a person of that college age right now because I think the system has yeah. just got much more rigged against you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it was tough any old time, but, uh, you know, like I, I said, I mean, yeah. if, I didn't, if I didn't have the ability to live on very little money, Mm-hmm. Uh, my 20s I don't know if I'd be doing what I was doing you know mm. and, and I mean I was and I and I don't doubt uh I don't discredit um my sort of middle class uh advantage my privilege that my parents by this time even though they were immigrants they worked really hard they were financially stable yeah I didn't ask for them much for for much for money but they did give me a car they you know they did you know, help me pay for my college and all these kind of things. So I had a lot of advantages. I don't, you know, I, I w- I'm not, uh, we're not rich and we never were, were rich, but I was also not um, at a position where, you know, I had to earn money to support my brothers and sisters or my parents or things like this. So, sure. I, I mean, I understand the privilege that I had, um, but also uh, just, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to work just to pay off my debts when I was 22, you know, which a lot yeah. of people do. What a shame. It is a shame. There's so much. Yeah. There's, I, I agree with you. I think that's why it's important that people be creative and people think critically and kind of cut against the grain and really think about what they're getting themselves into a lot of things, because there's so much like 
I don't know, if you think about a person who goes through that track and then wait, uh, you know, they wake up and they're 30 and they have a 200K mountain of debt uh, and then they have to, they have that stress of having to go work. Like imagine if that person would have just kind of done what you did and been creative, like all the art that like, think about all the art in your life that would have been lost between 22 and 35. It, it, like it's unfathomable the value of that, of that well, art and like your experiences in that time. It's like the, the, the world would have been deprived of all of that. You well, know, I think crazy. This, this is the this is the problem with uh, the United States right now, and uh, we're we're seeing this sort of this late stage capitalism. And I know this is not the conversation for it, <laughs> but it it just feels like this. We have lost the ability to use to take advantage of the best minds of, of the mm. United States because we've we've created this system which is so impossible for people to excel people are so you know uh you know what if you didn't have to stay in your job because you weren't afraid of losing your health care you know imagine imagine what people would do they would say well i don't like this job i could get a better job i don't really you know but if everybody had health care provided you know imagine the freedom if people didn't have that sort of fear of, of poverty or losing their housing or whatever think of the creative decisions they could make and yeah. what that would mean for people could say, well, you know, what about all those people who have brilliant ideas and could, could, you know, uh, create innovative solutions, uh, innovative companies that don't because they have to pay off their debt because they're afraid they're going to lose their benefits because they need to provide healthcare for their children. You know, all these things right. that just, the U S society has decided that this is more important so that, uh, you know, a certain class can keep making money off of us. And so they've, you know, it's, it's just so sad. And it really, it really is pointing to a, a society in decline because it's not taking advantage of their, of all of the best people. Yeah. It's a shame. I think the great artists that succeed, succeed in spite of the system, not because of the system, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a fear-based system where, you lose your job, you're really screwed. You know, you're like, and so many people are living paycheck to paycheck where it's just, a, it's scary. You have to have a job. You can't mess around. And, or at least that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what, what that, that system creates. And so I don't know, I think it's, I've, I've thought a lot about kind of doing what, what you did where it's like, Hey, if you live in somewhere where it's cheaper, you have lower overhead, your risk yeah. is much lower. You don't have to worry about next month. I can't make rent. Cause like you can for sure make rent. You can go get a job doing something like if, if, you know, it really hits the fan, you can, you can figure it out. And it's not like this huge mountain of Bay area rent or something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's reasonable. And I think, I don't know, I think now, especially when it's like, okay, everyone's working remote, things like that. I hope more people would kind of consider that like lowering their overhead and giving themselves some breathing room. Cause I think yeah. when they do, they will realize, Oh, being a cog in the machine and just like having this corporate job isn't everything. And I can, I can have the breathing room to find something that's actually satisfying to me. And I think it is actually interesting to me. And I think when people do that, cause yeah, it's, I think what I love about making music is like, not that it's good, whatever. I totally, what you were saying with like, just the process of being creative is so important. But like when I'm doing that, it's like one of the few times where I'm feeling like, um, this is what like all of this like stuff and lessons and, uh, just experiences like and skills it's it's going to use right now like i'm 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 kind of being realized like this is this is something i should be doing and this feels good it feels right it feels like i'm i'm i it's i don't feel anxious about doing other things and i think that like in that in that flow state is 
that is like so, so satisfying for sure. It makes me better at my job, makes me excited to do my job and other things it makes me excited about life. Generally it makes me want to exercise more. It is weird. How's this cascading effect on my, on, on my life, but I hope other people, and I, I always put it off. I put it off. I was like, I'll do that music stuff in the future. I'll blah, blah, blah. But like once I sat down and, and did it and had that experience and, um, cause I don't know, I think even when, and like the, the bad stuff, like we're talking about the system and the bad thing that it creates is like, even when like grandma, grandpa got to a more comfortable place, even when so many people get to a more comfortable place where, okay, it's stable. I got the 401k. I'm, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. I'm doing okay. They still like to, to then reprogram yourself out of that and be like, Oh, I'm okay. I don't have to live out a scarcity mindset. I can spend some time doing something that I just enjoy now. I don't have to put my life on hold. Um, that's a, that's a, it's, it's a reprogramming we have to do. And it's such a painful, painful thing to do. The longer you don't reprogram. Right. I mean, this is, I mean, once again, this is not necessarily, uh, the conversation for this, but I feel like this is what's so much what's wrong with, mm. uh, our society, which is mm-hmm. that we, I mean, I think there's a good lesson in being a, being a poor artist in your twenties because mm. you learn to live on less you learn to live if i wanted to do what i wanted to do mm. i needed to accept that i wasn't going to have money and once you make that once you make that uh choice uh and you don't need money to be happy um it's so so much more freeing and it's mm. so much more uh, you 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 learn you get by you get by there's lots of people who are in the same situation and uh you know you find your own you know you find your own pleasure of doing things of, of you know maybe you're not eating out maybe you're not buying clothes whatever but you know there's loads of things that you find pleasure doing besides that you know cooking growing your own food making your own clothes or you know re, re repurposing clothes or you know things like this or spending time outside that's all free you know it's like there's loads of things that you realize is out there but we're so programmed into this you know uh using money equals being happy you know somehow yeah. this this is what this is what the the corporate world wants you to think. So it's like, oh, you're feeling a little depressed. Oh, you're feeling a little fat. Well, if you spend money doing this, you'll feel better about yourself. And a lot of people believe that, and it's such a lie. Um, and so it's kind of like so once empty. you reprogram yourself, and if you if you're trying to make a living as an artist, you have no choice because you have ah. no money. And actually, you know, now that I'm sort of at this point in my life where you know, we're fine. We have enough yeah. money coming in to do whatever we want, but we still live, you know, like poor artists because we just don't, we don't need the money. I mean, we got, we, you know, you yeah. know, we do spend money now and then we go on holidays, you know, we bought a nice camper van. I mean, that's the, that's what we do for, you know, that's and awesome. it was expensive, it was yeah. expensive, but it was yeah. like, Oh, but, but now it lets us go and spend time. And instead of being in hotels, we're in a camper van and we really enjoy that. That's so it's awesome. kind of like, you know, it's a different, it's just a, a different kind of mentality. Um, but I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how to, how to urge people to sort of, but I think we need to stop being consumers and we need to stop using money to be happy. And once you sort of let go of that, suddenly you, you have this whole other world that sort of opens up. Yeah. 
I, I, well, I think what was the most compelling for me was just feeling that, that like hearing people talk about getting into their flow state and feeling the most themselves. So I, I'm that, that helped me. Cause when I felt it, I, when I, when I, when I heard about people talk about it, I was like, I've never experienced that before. I don't get it. And when I experienced it, I was like, Oh, I'm addicted to this. This is awesome. This is so cool. I want everyone to experience this. Um, and so I, like that makes it work. That made it worth it for me to push things aside and prioritize it and change, start to change my thinking. How about yeah. for you? Like, when do you feel the most, uh, when do you feel the most like you, when do you feel like, Oh, I'm doing my best work. Like when do you get into your flow state? How do, how do you try and how often do you get there and all, all that? Well, I think I really enjoy, uh, both making puppets. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different flow states in my work. I mean, uh, making puppets, making a show, performing a show, but also uh, uh, sometimes I get into the flow state just by creating a situation where there's loads of people that are also making art. Like I, you know, mm. I, I've organized parades and events and things like this. And that's really mm. satisfying because that feels like that's something that I can do that suddenly brings all, you know, sort of a blossom of creativity. I mean, I, I, it's, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know how there's no magic formula, but it's sort of like when you're in a situation where you have to get something done, you have the tools, you have the right people, you have the right tools, but you don't know how to get there. And you put yourself in that situation and then suddenly an idea comes and then you work with it. Sometimes, you know, like for instance, uh, I might be making a, a mask, a clay mask uh, that I'm going to make into a puppet head. Now, I might have an intellectual idea of what this character might look like or what it needs to do on stage, but I don't know exactly what it looks like. So I might, for instance, um, uh, find some images online or in a book or whatever. So I have these images in my head and I don't know how to make what I'm making but then I start to make what's in front of me. I go for the low, low hanging fruit, you know? Uh, I, I imitate a, a picture of, a, of, of, you know, maybe a bird that I found online that looked interesting and blah, blah, blah. And then I get to a certain point where I'm not necessarily recreating that image, but I, I get the idea of the image and I get the idea of several images. And then suddenly as I start to move the clay, I think, oh, actually, if the eyes were a little bit further out or if it had this kind of brow suddenly it has a whole different character and so it's kind of like you need to physically have the skills to move the clay you need to be open to sort of being influenced by whatever's around you but ultimately you need to just sort of be in that moment and trust your intuition that you that you could just change it and something feels right and then know when it feels right you just keep going with it and that's really satisfying and that's that's in sculpting that's in painting sometimes that's just in the rehearsal room we'll, we'll be trying something and somebody does something and you feel like i don't know why but that feels amazing so let's do more of that or the vice versa which is oh i thought that was going to work it's actually horrible let's not ever do that again you know it's it is it's it's but it's that sort of space where it's a combination of getting all the materials that you need, getting the right people in the room, getting the right thing, yeah. not knowing how it works, but just going through the process yeah. as if you know what you're doing. And then hopefully 
there's that moment where something happens and that's super exciting. Uh, it's really stressful when that moment doesn't come <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and you have to, you have to get it yeah. out there, you know, you know but uh, I, you know, and, and it's kind of funny, like some of our best shows or some of our best ideas is just a moment and a moment of inspiration. And then like, you know, four months to try to, you know, make that idea work. And sometimes it's satisfying to have that moment, but very hard work to actually realize that idea to, 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 the, to its full extent. But that's, that's the work. That's the work that we do, which is that combination of inspiration and just really hard work and, um, and using every single sort of uh, experience and uh, 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 you know, skill that you've gathered along the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes I'm at the point where it's like, I realize, oh, I have to learn more because I don't have that skill. I don't have that ability with the clay to be able to make this, you know, to be able to make the song that I want. It's like, okay, maybe I need to go spend some time learning. But then when I do, and I'm like in a space where I'm like, okay, I have, I'm going to do it. I'm going to kind of do the things I know how to work with. And I'm pretty confident in my ability. And then, but I think, yeah, that initial moment of just staring at the empty piece of clay, staring at the empty DAW, the music interface, and then starting whether that's like you're starting with a piece of inspiration like a uh a, a drum pattern that you really like or um whatever it is like that get, like just getting started and then shifting from like okay i'm kind of working with what i know maybe i'm copying something just to get a kind of a sense of inspiration or working with and then and then moving from there to oh i'm building something original like that's the that's the super cool moment i think and that spark because after you have that spark you want to get it down really quickly but then you're right that's like 0.05% of the time and it doesn't always happen like you have to put yourself in a position to be there but that moment is super special and kind of can can drive a lot but you yeah you have to do work to create the environment to be in that yeah, and it, yeah. you have to have the skill I mean it, you, like I yeah. said I mean nobody's just born with that ability you right. have to you have to learn I mean for what I did for the first 10 years um, I spent a lot of time just working with alongside people that I thought were great and that had a lot of great ideas and a lot of that I really admired and just working along next to them and learning what they do and just copying what they do and just sort of being their assistant was really useful mm. because then I have that in my tool belt, you know, yeah. I know how do you do that. And then, and then, but, whenever I try to do what they do, it's going to come out different because I'm a different person and I have different choices and I have different, you know, experiences. And so suddenly I might be influenced by this person, but actually the end result is this because I have, I have these other influences as well. And I think it's super important to not try to fly right away, but to just sort of take your time to, um, surround yourself with people that are really inspiring and learn everything you can. Um, and then, you know, and then sort of just keep accumulating that information and don't get stuck with just one school of thought or one, one, you know, even if you, even if they're amazing, just, you know, learn that, move on, find something else that you like, even if you don't like it in the end, you mm -hmm. know what you don't like, you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's almost as important. Like I learned, how some, some of the people that I worked with, and I'm not going to name names, but some of them were not very good organizers or directors, but they were really great artists, you know? And so by learning what they, what was difficult was also allowed me to make different choices when I, when it came for me to organize people or to organize um, a rehearsal room and things like this.
Mm. I really loved the light puppets that you and Kathy created. Yeah. I thought those were so beautiful. Do you ever, I, I, I hope I get to see them in action at some point. Do you ever create something that's like, oh my gosh, that thing is so stunning. How the hell did I do that? And like, can I do that? Can I do that again? This thing's nuts. How did I do that? I think we did. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel all the time that we, we, um, I look at something and I don't, and somebody asked me like, where did you get that idea? And I can't, I can, I, I can tell you kind of, kind of, for the life I mean, of me, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it was a combination of different people and different times over, you know, like there's one show we'd made, um, kitten caboodle it actually had like four or five different versions before we had got to the end end result mm. um you know like the but um yeah i mean it's no i mean it, it, it you i can't tell you exactly if where it comes from because it came from so many different things and I, you know i needed to do all the other things beforehand some of them which were not as successful as others yeah. in order to get to this place which you know, oh, you look like well. There's a puppet. It's it's nice looking, but it work. It's really effective. But you didn't see the six puppets before that were not effective. <laughs> yeah. That where I learned to decide um, what worked and what didn't work in order to get to this puppet. You know, and you know that it's just it's well. That's with every artist, isn't it? You 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 hopefully you you over time you are more successful more most of the time, but you're never always successful. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a lot of, it's like, it's a lot of hard work. Like don't be kind of thinking there's going to be this crazy moment where you're enlightened and then you can, you can make a Guernica. It's, it's a lot of hard work. It's making a lot of bad things, like seeing a lot of people doing bad habits, then seeing people do stunning things, kind of taking that all in your toolkit and then yeah. creating the environment to create something, create yeah, something yeah. beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's that, it's that courage to, you know, there's a really great uh, uh, writer, a writer who writes about writing lane. Um, what's her name? Anne Lamont. And she has this really great, uh, one of the first chapters is, is, is called shitty first drafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, will, yeah. You have to be brave enough yeah. to, to make a shitty first draft mm. because everybody does a fir shitty first draft. And if you're so afraid of making bad work that you don't make that first draft, you're never going to get to that 10th draft, which is amazing. You know, yeah. it's that combination of getting the ideas there and then just working, working, working that craft over and over and over until it gets there. Nobody, you know, like I said, you know, it, you, it's easy in, in the world of social media to just see the finished result. But it's actually, you know, if you, if you dig under the surface, you realize what that, uh, what that process entailed. And also, you know, like I said, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that you won't see on my website or my Instagram feed, mm -hmm. which, you know, weren't necessarily my best pieces, but you know, they were necessary and you needed to get past that. Mm. Where, where can uh, the audience of hopefully, I don't know how many people, but where can they find some of your work? Where can they like, where's your Instagram or where's do well, you have a website? Uh, the, um, the, uh, the, our thingamajig theater uses um, the handle, at Thingama Theater, T H I N G U M A T H E, no, th theater as in the British spelling, T H E T H R E. Okay. Yeah. C H E. Thingama Theater. I can leave them in the show notes too. Yeah, um, yeah. Thingama Theater. Um, uh, also, we have a website, but um, I think the, the, we're on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook uh, as, at Thingama Theater. 
Mm. I think it's it's interesting with with art. It's I I don't know how to explain it, but it feels um, it feels uh, low stakes but high stakes at the same time. Low low stakes in the sense of um, like you should just create stuff because if you create something, it's bad. It's like who cares? You learned something. You learned what you don't like. But it also feels high stakes in that. Like if I don't go to the studio today, if I don't put my give myself enough chances to have that pop of uh, that catch that lightning bolt, I may miss something. Whereas if I would have been put myself in that situation more often, I would have had an opportunity to create something that's really amazing. I don't know how to I don't know how to capture that, but I I think I don't know that I feel like the lesson I'm trying to get from that because I don't like certain days when I'm creating, I need to sit there for 14 hours to have that to have that five minutes where I'm completely inspired and I know what I'm doing and I'm creating it and it's everything's moving. Um, but I don't know, I guess it's just, it goes to what you were talking about. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard work and you have to, there's no, there's no shortcuts. You have to put yourself in that situation. You have to grind it out in order to have those moments of inspiration, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, it's really satisfying to be in a place where, and I feel real privileged that this is actually what we do you know, this is what we do as a living. Um, but, I'll, but, but I don't want to be naive about it as well. I mean, we're not, you know, I don't spend every single day at the workshop making amazing puppets or whatever, you know, or performing. I wish I could, but it's not, it's not the reality of this work. I mean, there's admin work, there's other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I spend more time in front of a screen than, <laughs> than, than, you know, well, like everybody else in modern society, you sure, know, sure. I'm on emails and whatever social media and all this kind of stuff. Really, really, really it's, uh, uh, or just, you know, that the business end of trying to find work, trying to sell myself, sell our work, um, you know, do contracts, do invoices and all that stuff. That's, you know, it's, but it's, it's, but it's something that we're really pleased to do that we're happy to do. Um, and it's been a strange time during lockdown and, and the pandemic because we've pretty much, we, we usually make our living doing events at this time of year and all of that has disappeared. And so um, we've had to sort of reinvent ourselves a little bit, um, uh, doing more digital work and mm. more um, instructional work and things like this. And it's, it's picking back up. We've got a few things coming up in, uh, in the pipeline. So I'm really pleased about that, starting to make some commissions and, uh, looking at more um, educational opportunities and things like that. So, but actual, uh, oh, and, and the puppets that I made, I just, you know, just, we, we just made a series of puppets to support um, climate change actions. You know, That's awesome. Extinction Rebellion, because, and that was not for money. It was just sort of like, mm. we wanted to do it and it's something that we know how to do. And this is something that we can contribute, you know, uh, and put you know because i think using art in protest is really powerful i mean mm-hmm. there's only so many times people will look at somebody's holding a sign but actually if there's something there's music if there's beautiful images that are really moving um i think people like art can do if we can get people to emotionally connect or connect with a sort of a deeper understanding hopefully that will sort of open up the conversation a little bit because I think that is something that it's a big, it's the biggest issue uh, of our time right now. And I feel like we need to figure out how to talk about it and how to sort of shift the society so that we're, we move away from being this consumer um, society 
you know, into something that's looking out for the well-being, well-being of each other and the planet, which is so much more important than how much you have and how much you can earn. Mm. Um, as my, I've, I've, this conversation is super awesome. It's cool. I never got to hear the entire breadth of this, the story. Um, of you, be, you becoming an artist, and it's 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 awesome. It's a it's totally well, the kind of never sat and listened to me for an hour and a half, Jimmy. I know. I'm glad we finally have. It only took me it only took me 26 years to figure out that I should. Um, it's cool though. It's I think that's it's inspiring for me to hear other other artist stories about how they became artists, and um, yeah, it just it makes it feel not less lonely because the journey of an artist is in many ways lonely, mm. um, and so it's very it's 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 super encouraging to hear, um, and it's funny. I I never thought we were that similar, but now that I'm hearing the way that you think about things, I think we're almost the same person. Like I'm always <laughs> just like f that. I don't want to do that. Oh, you told me I can't do that. I'm gonna do that now because that's not like that's completely my personality as well. It's that's it's true. it's funny that's hearing funny. the way you frame you frame things. I'm exactly. I operate like that. I think if, if you ask people that you work with to describe the way you work and you ask people the way uh, who I work with describe the way that I work, I would imagine they're very, very, very similar. Uh, just <laughs> the way funny. that we, we talk about things, process things. And um, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess my, my last question for you, the point of the podcast is to, is to inspire people. What would you say to someone who um, hasn't yet started creating art, is just starting to think of themselves as an artist? How do you, what would you tell them to, uh, compel them to to start creating. Hmm. Well, I would say that the first thing you do is to um, to to expose yourself to things that inspire you. That's the first thing you do, which might be which might be just surrounding yourself with the music that you that really excites you. Going to see. Uh, theater or seeing live performances or galleries um, and if you have an opportunity to take workshops with an artist that you know just fill your mind with things that inspire you and excite you just whatever you can do whether it's live or digitally or whatever just keep filling your mind with things that you think is beautiful and amazing and and passionate and then and then because you need that base you're not going to just pull it out of thin air you need something where you're full of inspiration and things like this and then when you feel like you're ready to start um just as i said earlier just be willing to do shitty first drafts just mm. do it just mm. do it don't worry about how good it is just do it and then the process of making yourself do it will hopefully open small doors small windows where suddenly you get a peek at what what could if what could be and then once you have that draft be willing to work at it because nothing you do for the first time will be any good i guarantee it but when you keep working at it and you know just just work at something until you get it to a place where suddenly it's not just the moment of inspiration but it's the craft the craft that you've learned by taking workshops by by watching things by listening to things that craft that you learn um, Influ uh, uh, in conjunction with those moments of inspiration, that's where that's where art comes from, and then even then, it's just that is the start. You know, just be be aware that this is going to be, you know, 
I think for most people, it's going to be a 10 year journey mm -hmm. before yeah. you get to the place where you're making stuff. And that is um, powerful and moving and exciting on its own terms. You may be lucky. You might get there in five years. You might get there in, you know, seven years. But I think if you just expect that it's going to take 10 years, then then you you won't put that incredible amount of pressure on yourself because uh, you might have a few, you might be lucky and you might get a few really amazing things early on, but it won't be consistent, I guarantee it. You're going to have to work at your craft until um, you're batting average it gets to a certain point because you've done it so many times and you know what works and you know where your inspiration is um, but also uh, this is a long answer sorry but I would also say that choose where what tools and what people you're surrounding yourself with that's super important because you need to find if you're um, a solo artist fine you need to find that space and the tools that you need and being willing to sort of invest in those sort of and i don't mean money invest but i mean like you know invest in knowing how to sculpt really well knowing how to you know use that digital program so you know well whatever it is you need to build those tools or but um in a lot of ways i think um a lot of artists find a lot of inspiration in collaborators in theater for instance you need to find colleagues people who you trust who have really good um there's a really great quote by um jim henson who's you know the the guy who did the muppets who was a very inspirational uh thinker and artist but what he said at one point was when he started doing the muppets is that he found people that were better than him mm. in something you know he surrounded himself with people who were better than him and then he they built something together and I think I would add to that, build, find people who are better at you, at, better than you at one thing, um, but also don't have massive egos and don't want, you know, don't want to impose themselves on everything that they, they do. So it's that combination of tr finding people you trust who have, so, who have something that really, really valuable to provide, but who also are people who are willing to listen and change their minds and that's a really fine balance and it's really hard to find but i hope you could find these collaborators that you can really trust who 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 you can listen to and be inspired by i mean the best kind of collaborators are people who say you know yes and this oh what about this oh that reminds me of this and that as opposed to no that's never gonna work that's gonna be too expensive oh that's too hard oh no i've seen that done before you know you don't want to move away from those people right away you yeah. want the yes and people i mean this is this is not just for art this is for businesses and anything else and and you know romantic life as well you want the people who are seeing you at your best and encouraging you to be a little bit more and hopefully you could find creative collaborators as, as well as in doing that as well. That's awesome advice. That's, 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 that, I'm going to take that for sure. I think the, <laughs> the shitty rough draft is I have a hard time with that. I, have a, I, be, I beat myself up for shitty first drafts, but I think just getting started and then being like, like you're saying, like pick the tools because so many people across different mediums will like, kind of mess around with one and then jump to another and they never really get good at that one where, you know, it doesn't really make it, you just got to pick one that kind of makes sense and then really stick with it over time, put in that time and 
get yeah. good at it and give yourself a chance, make yourself dangerous. And so, yeah, yeah. awesome advice. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, for, for your work, Jimmy, I'm wondering if you could find, look for somebody who you really trust, who can give you a critical eye or an ear, you know, and who isn't a person who's going to try to mold you into something that you're not, but could, yeah. The best person, a best director in a theater or maybe, you know, a musical director or something like this is somebody who can hear what you're trying to do and encourage you. What if you did that? What do you think of that? Or what, you know, this bit works really well, but this, I'm not sure what you're trying to get at. You know, you need to find those people and then yeah. start to, you know, develop that sort of relationship, I think, because it's really important because the, um, you know, in theater and anything, what you see in your mind isn't necessarily what the audience is going to see. Sure. And sometimes you need to have that outside eye to say, I get that, but I don't get this, you, mm -hmm. know? you know? And I think that's really hard when you're starting out because you don't want criticism, but actually if you find the right people who are like, as I said, talented that have something to contribute, but don't have the ego of yeah. trying to, enforce their own aesthetic on top uh, i think that's really valuable to find i think so too like someone who's not going to crush you um but someone who's going to be critical and actually like you know they care about you they just want to see you get better so they're giving you critical feedback but they're also kind of encouraging you oh this part you did was awesome you know and i i think that's true i think i've been too isolated as like trying to learn music and so that's what i've been trying to do. i've been reaching out to people who i know are working in logic which is a tool that i use and i've actually yeah. today later today i have a lesson with my buddy alan who's really good at making uh rap music and so cool. i'm yeah that's my plan was like once a week kind of meet up with him and um he's like a thousand times better than i am so just get his his critique and i think he's a good mentor like that because he's yeah. not he's never going to be like oh this is dumb like he knows i'm pretty junior with with music but he's, yeah. he's but i i i think i've waited too long to do that and i don't have enough times in my week where i get there's that no, kind there's of no such thing i mean you could you could you know you, you're doing it now and that's what's yeah. important you that's know, true it, that's true there's no, there's, there's no race we're not uh we're not trying to you know we're not yeah. we're not trying to beat a clock here we're just trying to find uh find our own voice and find a find a way of doing it i mean i mean you're at a you're at a you're at a privileged position because you're this is not something you need to do for your income right you know you the opportunity to do it but hope maybe you know who knows maybe at a certain point there will be a, a more of a balance maybe you you know you don't have to work as many days in your right. other job because you're too busy doing you know whatever doing composing um you know it's 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 not an impossible thing you know i know uh, like uh there's there's a guy that i've been talking with on a that right now that that that's what he does for a living. He, he, he composes things for films. And oh, that's for, incredible. That's a dream and, job. That's so yeah, cool. It's, it's so random. Like he, he <laughs> creates for documentaries and nobody knows who he is. His yeah. name's nowhere near it, but you know, he gets, he gets, uh, you know, revenue from it every time it shows. You that know? is so cool. You know, he's just, he's got a home studio in his house and uh, you know, he just, he just composes and sends it off to, you know, wherever BBC and they play it. You know, it's not, it's not an impossible thing to do. You yeah. know, I mean, people do it. Uh, we're surrounded by, you know, uh, television, uh, you know, whatever, every single program you see is, is got full orchestration. Somebody's doing that music. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I wonder, do you think he'd be down to come on the podcast? I'd love to talk to him. 
<laughs> yeah, I can I can ask him. Yeah, sure. That would be send, awesome. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty late your time. I. Um, yeah, yeah, we've been talking I, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I edit that down. Uh, no, but it, no. I mean, they're all like they're all they're all at least an hour and between. I think the longest one was almost like a little bit more than two hours. So, but I hope hope you'd be down to come on again at some point. And yeah, it, sure. sure. I, there's so many questions I was I wasn't wasn't able to ask you yet, but that was, I'm I, I really enjoyed that. Thank thank you so much for for your time and sharing all that. That was that was, that was, that was awesome. Thanks for listening. That's it's nice to have an opportunity to just sort of. We don't get to ch chat about these things so much, so it's nice yeah. to have that. Awesome. Thanks, Uncle Andy. <laughs>